My guest today, Bird Waters, is a Los Angeles native who moved to Bali last year. And boy, does she have an interesting story to tell. From traveling while androgynous, a concept I had never even thought of before, to the gift and the joy and the peace that is sobriety. I love this conversation and I love the fact that she got me to sort of be stopped in my tracks and think about how we judge each other based on the boxes we put ourselves in. Are you male, female, tall, short, fat, skinny, black, white? She's a person who travels through the world being perceived as something she's not, a man, and yet the grace and the dignity that she emits in spite of all of her challenges is just something to behold. So I hope that you'll enjoy this conversation with Bird Waters as much as I did. Hello, welcome to Dreaming of Bali, the podcast featuring the movers and shakers of Bali and beyond. I'm Candy Tolentino, your host, and joining me today is Miss Bird. I am so happy to have you. We've been trying to get together for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we finally yes. were able to connect. And so I'm, I'm really thrilled to have you on. So am I. Thank you. Thank you so much for being willing to share this time with me and share your story. I think I told you when we were talking before we decided to do the podcast that you brought up a topic of conversation I had never even thought of before in my life. So I'm so excited to get into that topic and other parts of your life story. So without further ado, Ms. Bird Waters, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And yes, I'm glad that we finally were able to make it work and uh, meet up, even though we're 16 so hours apart. I'm in your future right now, so it's really exciting. That's true. Here. You're literally in the future. I love that. So what brought you to the future? Bird, can you give us a little bit of your background and how you ended up in Bali in the first place? Right. I ask myself that often. Like, how did I end up here? So I think that travel met me early in life. I was really intrigued by the idea. Started traveling avidly about five years ago. And like many people during the pandemic, my life changed, my life goals changed, my life trajectory changed. And the minute the borders opened, I was ready. I said, where am I gonna go? And I started in Central and South America, some places closer to my home, which is the United States. And, you know, Bali always called me. I was here about five years ago and I wanted to see what Bali do again. You know, I wanted to explore this beautiful island. The people are amazing. The cost of living is incredibly inexpensive, which I love. And you get a lot of quality for that. So I came packed up my bags, put my stuff in storage and said, let's see, let's see what happens. Whoa. So you literally one day just packed up your bags and said like, USA, peace out. I'm going to Bali and. Right. <laughs> um, I say the preparation took about two months, but it felt like, like that. Yeah. You know, I think the strongest catalyst <laughs> might've been heartbreak. Uh, you know, like many people, I wanted to find myself again and explore my individuality and create some distance between, you know, a hard situation. So that was probably a strong catalyst, you know, mixed in with all of the other beautiful things. But yes, 
I said, let's do it. You know, also what happened, I almost forget about this. My job fired me. My job fired me one day out of the blue. I was managing some coffee shops and I got an email out of nowhere from the HR department. And it was probably one of the sweetest rejections I'd ever received. And they said, go, like (laughs) go live your life. You know, your life goals and the goals of the shop are no longer aligned. And in the best interest of us and you, you know, we're gonna make a change and we're gonna pivot and we wish you the absolute best. And maybe for 20 minutes, I was upset. I was like, you've never said anything about my performance. What am I doing wrong? And then I looked at it like a complete blessing. So yeah, a series of things kind of happened. A series of endings happened to lead me and pivot me to a new beginning. And it was just all the universe saying like, go. I I literally perceive it as such. And I love those stories when the universe is knocking at your door so loudly, it's undeniable. And I consider any firing literally a message from the universe. Oh, it's time for you to do something different. It's time for you to move on and you wouldn't decide it for yourself. So we're going to just nudge you in the direction of change, transformation. So I, I love that you received it as such too. And now- here you are in Bali. Yes. But so within those two months where you decided after getting fired from your job unexpectedly, it sounds like out of the blue, right? You didn't even have issues one day. Bye-bye. Um, yeah. And then making the move to, or making the decision to move across the world to Bali, I think is so fascinating. I want to share a little bit of your bio because I, not only was it just poetry, to my ears, but I just thought, what an amazing and inspirational journey you've been on. And so even in your own words, I thought, let me set this up so people can get a little more background of what you've been through. Okay. So here's Bird's bio. Bird Waters is a Los Angeles native and founder of Sober Traveler, an online-based addiction counseling and sober coaching business. With three years in active recovery, Bird took her hard knock past, her, sorry, Bird took her hard knock past in addiction and turned it into a love story for second chances and evolution. Go girl. Working with tools such as refuge, recovery, meditation, Qigong, and Ayurvedic nutrition, she takes her clients on a journey of reimagining a dynamic and healthy life after addiction. As a globetrotter of over 10 countries and current nomad, she loves to take her followers on a travel journey that is off the beaten path, often seeking out the gritty side of beautiful places, noting that that is what addiction is, after all, the dark side of a beautiful place. So let's talk about that. Can we dig into some of the experiences that have brought you to where you are today and why you describe addiction as the dark side of a beautiful place? Indeed, indeed. Um, And thank you for reading that. And I'm glad that it resonated with you. I oftentimes get a little nervous when writing a bio because yes, I have a lot of uh, paper qualifications, but um, you know, the, the real and true story means so much to me. So I have 
had a struggle or a battle or a life with addiction wrapped into it for many years, uh, a couple of decades in and out of different types of addictions. I was an active alcoholic for over a decade, functional, not so functional. Um, people didn't know, spiraled down and everybody knew it's gone through the gamut of different stories. And I always knew that that wasn't who I was, that it was a symptom of something that I was going through, of, of, of a deep-rooted pain that I was feeling. And I didn't know where to turn for help. You know, I think I, what I love seeing now is that sobriety and recovery are trending in this way. And there's lots of different um, outlets and entertainers and different people that are exploring what sobriety looks like. But when I started my journey, I couldn't find anybody who was dealing with what I dealt with. So it took me a while to find the help that I needed. And fast forward to going to rehabilitation, going to rehab, living in a sober living house, all of these steps, you know, I, I did all of those things. I lived in a sober living house for two years during COVID. Two years. Two years? One thousand percent. It was one of the most beautiful experiences that I've ever had in my life. It was a home where everyone was sober. It was, you know, uh, multiple women and a beautiful house mom and facilitator. And we just really held each other in a space of recovery. And through that, I learned exactly what it was that I needed to get sober. The, the dark side simply looked like an unknowing, an unknowing of what I wanted to be for myself and what I wanted to be for other people. And what that meant was I involved myself in situations, relationships, business um, dealings that were so misaligned with who I was because my third eye was closed, it was calcified, my gut was completely short-circuiting all the time because all I was doing was numbing it with a substance, trying to deal with pain of grief of losing family members or grief of not being aligned with my life's purpose, right? So silence and distance from situations completely helped me with that. And in that, as I would travel to small to short distance places, as I would go to Canada or Mexico or a different state, the freedom and the, the, the relaxation that my spirit would feel when I was in a place that where someone didn't know me, right? Where someone didn't know my story and I was able to engage with people for with the new me, as the new me, as the reimagined me it started to give me confidence. It started to motivate me to, to explore this evolution and explore this new sense of self. So it was new places and new experiences and new dynamics that helped to empower and enhance my recovery. Wow. I am, I'm so in awe of your strength of your intelligence, of your articulation around a lot of these painful issues. And I just think nobody would ever look at you or listen to you now and guess you lived in a sober living facility for two years during the pandemic. Like, it, it's just, you are such an inspiration. Your, your experience is so profound. 
how, how did, how have you gotten past the pain and gotten to a point where you can live each day in your truth with integrity and without using anymore? But still the, the things that were painful never went away, right? They didn't disappear. Those are still realities. If you want to share any of them with us, how are you managing your pain differently now than you did all the time that you were using? So one thing that I talk about often is a toolbox, right? I have a huge toolbox of things that I use to help me on a daily basis. And sometimes it'll take six, 10, 15 tools to act as that one drink or that one line or that one whatever substance I was using at the time. So it took time to understand what it was that I needed. The first thing that I did was get into some kind of program. First thing I did was get into AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, right? It's almost 100 years, coming up on 100 years of being an active program, saving millions and millions of people's lives. And that was the first foundation of me doing the steps, right? And the steps created um, an inventory of my life. And I actually recommend the steps for anybody, even if you're not in recovery and you're not you're not healing from that type of thing, because it helps you to see who you are, see your past, make amends to people that you feel you need to make amends to in your life and let go of things and move on. It's a let go process. And that's what's super beautiful about it. Soon after that, I found Refuge Recovery, which is a Buddhist based recovery program. And that was much more in line with who I am as a person. You start off with meditations. You also do life inventories. Um, you go to retreats. You have mentorships. Um, you go to groups and things like that. And having a community of people that were going through what I was going through, seeking the same things that I was seeking, and taking the stigma away from the situation. I mean, we're talking, I was in groups with people who are CEOs of major corporations and who are mothers and fathers to a thriving family. Um, I mean, it runs the gamut, entertainers, celebrities, doctors, lawyers, uh, you know, coffee shop workers, all of these people that make the world go round and make the world run. They had a moment, right? We had glitches in our life. And mm -hmm. so being together, and being able to empower each other through our stories and through our recovery completely changed my life. And then after I found this community that supported me and started putting these toolbox, these tools in my toolbox, like meditation, like talk therapy, like nature walks and hiking and those types of things, I started to change my diet. I started to, to understand and learn more about nutrition and how those things actively helped me get better because you ravage your brain and you ravage your body, right? Um, you dehydrate it, you, you cut off neural pathways. So we have to rebuild those things. And for me, Ayurvedic nutrition was the answer, it is discovering what my dosha was, taking away fiery foods or, or foods that weren't warming to my spirit or my soul. There's lots of woo-woo uh, language that's in Ayurvedic nutrition, but it is a science-based nutrition as well. Science oftentimes has to catch up to mysticism, which I love. Okay. So going back to nature completely changed my life. And it reminded me of who I was. My community reminded me of who I was. The things I was putting in my body reminded me of who I was. 
Um, and then after that, traveling to different places and meeting the locals and meeting indigenous communities of people that were teaching me about these foods and teaching me about these ways of life reminded me who I was. So it's been a journey of remembering. I love that. So has landing on Bali been a support, would you say, for all the things that you just talked about and remembering who you are? Do you feel as a Black woman and a Black woman who's living, which we'll talk about in a minute, and androgynous, if you will, existence, is it, is it, does it, do you feel at home in Bali? Do you feel alien? How do you feel and how has Bali supported these efforts? I love Bali so much. I feel at home in Bali as much as I feel at home anywhere. Home for me has been a journey, 1000%. I didn't grow up in a traditional home, you know, like one place that you as an adult go back to and say, I'm going back home for Christmas type of thing, right? There was a lot of moving, there was a lot of transition throughout my life. So that idea of home was always something I was trying to define. And coming to Bali helped me to realize that it's internal, right? So solo traveling can get lonely. It can get, you know, um, it's it solo, right? So there's a lot of time alone. There's a lot of time to think. But when I go into this immense nature, I realize that that is home. Waterfalls are God and birds are friends and wind is my mother, you know, there's so many times where I sit on the porch and the wind comes across me and I know that's my mother. And that's a beautiful thing for me. That reminds me that I'm home. And so Bali has absolutely become that. And not only that, like on a more tangible level, the people are great. The people are amazing and they completely fit with the kind of spirit that I feel like I have inside of me in the spirit that I want to surround myself with, which is family oriented, which is kind, which is um organic which is a trilogy of family nature and god all of those things were extremely important to me so bali was an amazing choice and when i got here i realized yeah you got it right oh, <laughs> i love that so much and i love that i'm not the only one who has this just ridiculous love affair with bali because i feel that when i travel there bali gives me permission to be the dreamer that I am. Bali gives me permission to bask in simple things like the breeze or the birds chirping in the trees. I rhymed. I didn't even mean to. But Bali gives you permission to, to think your highest thoughts and to like expand beyond limitations that just other parts of the world Im impose in society when we're having to live and think inside the box. And so it's nice to hear somebody else having that experience, especially when for you, the bar is pretty high right now. Like it sounds like you really need to be in freedom and mm -hmm. in purposeful living. And I'm glad that yes. Bali, yeah, right? Supports you in that way. So getting back to the brass tacks of Bali, can you share with us how you found your current villa, how that's going, where you've dabbled in the island if you've lived in different places and what you've liked best? Any tips, you know, on things, things to seek out, things to avoid? Yes, absolutely. The first thing I would, the 
first thing I'm going to do with this line of questioning is plug Black in Bali. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you how valuable of a resource Black in Bali has been. Shout out to the creators and the founders of Black in Bali because the vision that they had to take something, a void, something that was missing, something that was being asked for, and to create this thing that not only is this WhatsApp chat, not only is this Instagram and Facebook, but when you see the content and you see the love and you see the 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 uh, support that happens within that chat, you know that it's coming from this place that was generated from love. It's, it wasn't just smacked onto a, an app like WhatsApp. You know, it has been created with so much love. So I've gotten a lot of resource from there um, mm -hmm. and lot, asked lots of questions. I started in Ubud, uh, which is kind of like the mountainous, jungleous region of Bali, not necessarily on the coast, but about 40 minutes, 30, 40 minutes, spinning on traffic um, north of the coast. And I'd like to say that that's where you go if you're looking for Zen, right? That's the Zen part of Bali. There's lots of yoga studios. There's lots of workshops and meditation and things of that nature, rice fields, calm environment. And that was exactly the place that I needed and wanted to drop into. So I started there and I found my villa through a property management company on Facebook. It was called Bali Honest Houses, and oh. that name resonated so strongly with me. And um, sure enough, they were very kind and very helpful, and they had some places that weren't necessarily on some of the, you know, go-to places like Airbnb, Booking.com. So I found it there. And then I don't know what led me to this island, but I'm on I'm on Little Bali right now. It's called Nusa Limbongain. So there's like Nusa Limbongang, Nusa Panita, and it's, I like to say it's like Bali circa 1980, like 50 something years ago, everybody scooters around. It's very calm. There is a thriving tourist environment here, so it's good for the locals, but it's not overwhelming. So if you're looking for quiet, you, you can't find it. I spent yesterday in a coffee shop and I was the only one there all day. Like, where wow. does that happen? Where? Wow. Yes. Just okay. insanely gorgeous. So I've been to Noosa P. I've uh -huh. not been to Lembongan yet. And you're giving me like you, you a rousing yeah. endorsement of it. So yeah, you like, you don't mind the quiet. You like, do you live a little bit of an, a more isolated life? And, and that is how you find your Zen? Indeed. 1000%. I am an introvert. 95% of me is an introvert. I love people. When I'm with people, you probably can't tell that I'm an introvert, but you'll rarely see me because being alone and being in my own space is where my creativity comes. It's where my understanding comes. And I also feel like I'm never alone, right? Because I love nature and mm. I feel like it's alive in that way. So yes, I'm always looking for a place where I can escape, you know, for lack of a better word, for long periods of time. And I can walk down the, the roads and meet new people or nobody knows me and I don't have to speak. But, you know, those kinds of things really excite me and ignite me. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know if that's like my military background of always having to kind of like show up for my soldiers or, mm. you know, be accountable to somebody for many years you know, every single day you're accounted for, um, that might have something to do with it. You know, my kind of rebellion to being accounted for. 
<laughs> okay. I bet some people watching this who can see it in video form are wondering what it must be like for you to travel in East Southeast Asia as a black woman though, and traveling like I touched on a little bit androgynously. Can you, can we talk about that? Indeed. Yeah, I would love, I would love to, um, you know, I have a very unique pers you know, perspective on that situation. I was recently having a conversation with somebody and he said, your soul has chosen the path of other this lifetime for whatever reason, you know, taking, taking kind of this ownership of it away from me for particularly, right. I, you know, I didn't choose to be black or a woman or queer. Um, but I feel that I feel these kinds of like labels um, that I walk into a space and just like all of us, we are the only person who walks into that space, but I'm the only one it feels like. So in terms of the androgyny, that's really interesting because it, it shows up differently in different countries here. Every, all the locals just think I'm a guy, right? It's the hair. It's, it's the hair. Women here have long hair, men have short hair, and that's just the thing. And I think that, you know, when you come into a situation, people read, you know, I think you mentioned, you know, people read the gender and the vibe and you kind of go from there, right? It's something that we just innately do. We don't even realize we do it. So it's not until I start talking, because I'm, I'm quite feminine, right? So it's, I start talking and, you know, I get into something, I'm like, ooh, girl, you know, and then they're like, you know, what is, what is that? But it's always met here in Bali. It's met with kindness and it's met with like, oh, I thought you were a boy. Like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. And then we kind of have this conversation about it. And they're like, why do you have short hair? And what's that about? They're genuinely curious. And I'm curious as to why no one here has it, right? So it starts this conversation of cultural differences and cultural norms. And, and then there's just pure acceptance, right? That other means nothing. It was just simply something that sparked a deeper conversation than where are you from? Why are you here? How, how long are you here for? So that's how I started to take it after a while was these conversations at first were, were uncomfortable, maybe in countries that had more machismo and things of that nature. But once I got to a place where people are reverent and they are, mm. they're real and honest about respect, it led to deeper understanding and it made me feel less other. It made me feel unique, you know, which is uh, two sides of the same coin. I love that your experience in Bali, let me say, because all of us ultimately feel other. All yeah. of us know what it feels like to be an outlier, to be a black sheep, to not feel accepted as we are. We may put on masks to hide the fact that we feel that way. But each one of us has felt like an outcast, I'm sure, at some point. And, and the fact that because Bali is, as you put it, a reverent spiritual society, people decide to see you for your humanity. And that takes the otherness out that it, it's sort of like it validates your humanity more so than the otherness, I guess. And that is such a beautiful thing. Like the people just see, they're surprised. And I like mm -hmm. the innocence of being able to honestly ask someone a question. Oh, why do you have short hair? Yeah, so innocence. That's a great way to put it because that's exactly how it feels. 
Yeah. Uh, so you feel completely embraced there as other, as black, as female, as a female with short hair, which is mm-hmm. not common in Bali. And yet you feel embraced, but and all the while knowing that you're different. Right. Exactly. And it's, it, it, it's a unique feeling. And, you know, that's why I like talking about this because there's so many people out there who don't speak about this, who don't speak about the fact that travel um, brings them pause because of whatever, whatever their otherness may be. It could be their body type, right? It could be the language barrier. It could be uh, disability, right? Mm-hmm. And you get mm-hmm. fearful of moving and going into new spaces because of how you might be judged or received or accepted and all of these other things. And I just urge people to, to ask themselves what's on the other side of fear, right? Because oftentimes it's acceptance, oftentimes it's love. And when you come into a situation with an open heart and an open mind, you can learn so much about yourself, so, so much. And so, yes, I love being a black woman in these spaces. I love being a queer black woman in these spaces. I love being, you know, presenting in a, in a way that sparks conversation. Um, and yeah, it's helped me grow. It's 1000% helped me grow and stop looking at it um, or taking it in as something personal or negative, but allowing it to be um, a catalyst for change and a catalyst for conversation. In the few moments we have left, do you have any advice for people who are maybe searching for their North Star, feeling lost, or even considering settling down in Bali? Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do your research, get travel insurance. (laughs) I always like to plug that one. It's, uh, Mm -hmm. It's important. And yeah, ask yourself what you're looking for what you're looking for, set an intention and manifest it. Manifestation is real. It's real. And the minute I put something on the board and I said I was going to do it and I started working towards it, it happened. So set an intention, manifest it, and come on. Come hang out. Come on. Come on. Come to Bali. Hang out with us. Come to Bali. There's love here for you. I love it so much. If people want to follow your journey and get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way to do it right now is IG. You can find me under all lowercase bohemian underscore bird, bohemian underscore bird. My website is www.sobertraveler.com. And my email is bird at sobertraveler.com. You have so many gifts to the world to give. I'm just so excited to follow your journey and see where you go from here and see what's next. But all love, I'm so inspired that like, if you can overcome if the demons that you've had to wrestle in your life, there is power in manifestation. Like what you said, there is hope for all of us. And there is much to be gained from travel and from getting outside of our comfort zones and from connecting with a whole new way of living and and believing, I think. So true. You're overcoming demons. Come to the island of gods. You know, (laughs) works. I love it. Yes, the island of the gods. Thank you, Miss Bird. 
Thank you, Candy. I appreciate you so, your so time. Much. Please yeah. go find her on Instagram and stay in touch. Or because she's an introvert, you're probably not going to see her on Bali or Nusalem <laughs> exactly. Bali. But, but I'll respond. <laughs> Hit her up. She'll respond. Thank you so much. And thank you for watching. And until next time, remember to stay on purpose. Stay with your heart open and stay dreaming in Bali or wherever you are. Bye for now. Thank you.